0: And welcome in to the newest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Jack Malafronte of IMG Academy. Jack, welcome in.
1: Thanks for having me, Chase. Pleasure to be on here with you.
0: All right, Jack. Um, why don't you give the people a little bit of background introduction about yourself, um, kind of wh- where you grew up, and kind of your journey into PT?
1: Yeah. So uh, I am s- originally from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Um grew up there my entire life. I went to undergrad at Boston University, um, got my bachelor's of science in athletic training, stayed there uh, with a six-year DPT program, so stayed right through, got my DPT at Boston University as well, um, moved to Texas once I finished grad school, um, and completed the sports physical therapy residency at Texas Health sports medicine in Fort Worth, Texas. When I finished residency, uh, moved to Tampa, Florida. I've been in Tampa for about a year and a half. Um, I was at an outpatient clinic um, for a good portion of that. Um, And then just recently within the last three or four months, um, as you mentioned, I now work at IMG Academy. So um, I'm technically a Johns Hopkins hospital employee as you know, Johns Hopkins is the medical provider for IMG, um, but I treat exclusively at IMG Academy. Gotcha.
0: And so, you know, after you graduated PT school, what drove you to do a uh, sports residency and, and why, in particular, Texas Health's residency?
1: Yeah. So, um, why a residency? I think it was something that um, appealed to me. Um, I had a desire, obviously, you know, where I currently work and currently stand, I had a desire to work in sports physical therapy. I just wanted to continue to grow and develop as a clinician and learn from really people smarter than me. Um, I thought residency was the best way to do that. I wouldn't say that it was a, I would not say that it was driven by an apprehension or a fear that I couldn't start treating on my own. Um, it was really more of a desire to continue to learn. I just feel like there's so much to learn. Um, I feel like I don't know anything now and I've been treating for two and a half years. Um, and I'm sure you know most people would probably echo that sentiment. I just feel like there's so much to know. And residency was a great way to be like, okay, I can surround myself with people who are way more experienced, way smarter than me, um, who can help me grow and learn. And also, um, one of my clinical rotations was actually at Texas Health in grad school. So I had, you know, I probably had better exposure than some um, normal PT students to, like, what a residency was. Um, I was down there for 10 weeks as a student, kind of seeing how the residents interact, seeing what their days are like. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so that kind of goes into answer your second question of why Texas Health. Um, is because I knew a lot of people down there already. Um, I felt comfortable there. I thought it was a great program. Um, and, you know, that was that. Right. And
0: so you said that sports has kind of been in the cards after, like, since you started PT school. But what in particular about sports physical therapy um, do you enjoy so much that, you know, you went through a residency and now are currently working in it? Is there any particular aspects that you truly enjoy that make it, you know, I guess one of the best jobs?
1: I mean – Just the nature of being involved in sports, probably first and foremost. Um, I think I probably echo the sentiment of a lot of sports PTs where I was an athlete growing up. I love watching sports. So to even have an ancillary role in that sports world um, is really entertaining and really fun. Um, And then the patient population, right? I think anyone who develops a niche in PT, whether it's neuro geriatrics, I think a lot of that is driven by their passion for the patient population. And I personally just enjoy treating, you know, high level patients, athletes, um, really from high school all the way up to professional. It doesn't really matter. Um, I just enjoy that population.
0: Right. And so I want to go a little bit back to your time in residency. Uh, Was there any different challenges that you faced during residency that you? that came up that you did not expect because you had experience with that particular residency when you were a student, but was there anything that when you were a resident that kind of challenged you or you know, were not expected as you entered it, into the residency?
1: Um, Oof, well, I, I mean, this is the easy answer, but COVID, the onset of the COVID pandemic was uh, in like the latter third of my residency. So that was an obvious obstacle. Um, And probably the most challenging aspect of that was like trying to stay busy and continue to maximize the experience, given the situation we were in, because we obviously didn't have a full caseload, there was, you know, elective surgeries were being stopped, etc. So everyone knows what happened. Um, So being in a residency, realizing, okay, we have four more months of residency, three more months of residency, like, what can I do to try to maximize the experience? Um, And so that was definitely a challenge. And then I think just normal challenges that I think a lot of residents probably deal with, Um, you know, I mean, it it was my first job as a full-time PT or as a, you know, independent physical therapist. So managing a caseload in the clinic, uh, managing those difficult patients, whether, you know, it's difficulties with personality or pathology, you know, someone's not progressing the way you expect. Um, So kind of transferring that, that knowledge that we were being given and that mentorship we were being given Um, transferring that into actual clinical care. I mean, just normal challenges, I would say. Right. And so kind of talking a little bit more about that, what
0: you learned in practice, or I guess what you learned in like the didactic portions from that mentorship, uh, what did you look for in mentorship? So you probably had some interaction when you were a student with those, you know, clinical instructors that would be mentors for your residency program. But what, um, I guess, traits or characteristics did you look for when you were looking for a mentor?
1: Yeah. I mean, we fortunately, you know, the mentorship is set up and we kind of cycle through the mentors down there at Texas Health. So, you know, each mentor has a different personality, a different style. Um, And I think it was I wouldn't say I was looking for one thing in particular. It was just the variety actually I think was beneficial, Um, the variety of personality and the variety variety of like mentorship style. Um, And for me, the way I get the most out of mentorship is just asking questions. Um, I'm typically not, I feel like I'm not afraid to ask questions, um, and be, I guess, um, open to feedback and things like that. So that's kind of how I maximize that experience.
0: Right. And so, um, another portion of residency, I know is a huge, like didactic portion where you're reading current literature to kind of, make sure you're as knowledgeable when you're treating those different patients. Um, so now that you've been out of residency for a while now, um, how do you stay up to date on evidence? You know, you're working full time and you probably have a busy caseload. So what do you do to kind of make sure that you're on top of the evidence to make sure you're providing the best care possible?
1: I think that is like the million dollar question, right, Chase? <laughs> like how did, how as PTs do we stay current and stay active? Um, I mean, You know, trying to, you know, poke my head into some articles and some publications as often as I can, reading, perusing um, the literature, um, chatting with friends. Like, I have two really good friends, Matt DeLang and Trevor Kovacs um, from Residency, who we're always communicating, throwing articles back and forth at each other, even to this day. Um, Almost like... uh, Casting a larger net, because it's really hard to stay on top of it by yourself, but if you have other people who are also casting their net as well, like, you know, less things can slip through the cracks. Hey, did you see this? Hey, did you see that? And then going to conferences, presenting at conferences, things like that, because that's where you're going to see a lot of the really current stuff, um, whether it's through poster presentations or, um, you know, full educational sessions. Um, People are presenting that stuff that may not even be in literature yet. Right. And so, uh, you said that you got your, uh, bachelor's in
0: athletic training, so you're dual certified. So now that you've kind of, have worked in, um, both settings or, you know, have practiced a little bit as both what, during your time as a student and then, you know, working, what's the, um, so when you're at IMG, what's the best way to kind of communicate with those athletic trainers? Cause those people, they're hands-on with the athletes almost every day. So what's the best way to make sure that everyone's on the same page when dealing with an athlete?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, we're very fortunate at IMG Academy. Um, I think the relationship between the physical therapist and the athletic trainers is awesome. Um, Our clinics, quote unquote, the athletic training room, the PT clinic um, are connected. There's like a glass wall that separates us. Um, So when it comes to like questions, it's really just walk over there and talk or they walk over and talk to us. Um, And I think, you know, IMG has had some degree of physical therapy for a long time now, I think like six or eight years. So it, I, I'm sure that the relationship has just grown and developed over that time. Um, you know, I think that's a common issue or a common obstacle is integrating PT into like an athletic training environment, whether it's the Division One level. Um, and I think just having an openness and realizing that you, everyone is on the same team um, and it's all working for the athletes. Um, and I think all I mean, being an athletic trainer, it, I think it makes it a little bit easier for myself to recognize like athletic trainer skill sets and where they kind of optimally perform, right? Because I've seen both sides of it. Um, and I mean, hell, I've I've worked with athletic trainers who are so 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 talented, and there's so much to learn from them. Um. But I think it's challenging if you are a PT who either isn't an athletic trainer or doesn't have a lot of exposure to that athletic training world um, to really even know what the athletic trainer's role is. And if you don't know what their role is, it's going to be very hard to come into their world and try to integrate yourself.
0: Right. And so kind of talking a little bit more along the lines of that, when a when a player or an athlete gets injured, and obviously um, the way most I know most programs um, – break it up is that you know acute um, shorter term rehabs will go to athletic trainers and uh, longer term rehabs will got or like even post-op case will kind of go to pts but how do you guys break it up down at img
1: yeah i mean for simplicity's sake that's pretty much how we break it up the athletic trainers deal with a lot of like the day-to-day um, the day-to-day management of the athletes obviously the acute management of the athletes um, shorter term rehabs often will be Uh, dealt with by the athletic trainers, Um, post-ops, long-term rehabs, uh, more towards physical therapy. But I mean, we're obviously always collaborating. If I have a post-op ACL who's going to work with me three days a week, like they're probably going to work with their athletic trainer the other two days of the week. Um, So even on those longer term um, rehabilitations, we're working together more often than not.
0: Mm -hmm. And so obviously IMG is a high school. Um, It's like a very boarding school, high school, but still like young high school athletes, nonetheless. And so, you know, high school athletes or, you know, just teenagers in general can kind of lose focus, even if they're, you know, high, high level performing, performing athletes. So when you're dealing with like long-term care rehabs and, you know, patients aren't getting better or they're not getting better as fast as they want to, how do you kind of keep, keep them motivated um, when they get kind of get distracted or discouraged by their rehab process?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's always a challenge. Um, I think setting realistic expectations early on uh, is hugely important. So if it's a post-op ACL, identifying that this is probably going to be a nine-month rehab, plus or minus, you know, a couple months. But nine months is probably what we're going to look at. And I think by setting those expectations, um, it kind of... Gives the athlete a more realistic timeline, and they can kind of envision, okay, here's when I'll be back, or here's when I can expect to be back. I think when things aren't going well, um, and just trying to put things in perspective. I mean, a lot of these kids are young, like you said, we have sixth through twelfth grade at IMG. Um, so for some, from a lot of the kids, it's not like they're, it's not the end all, be all. It's not their last chance, um, and just putting things like that into perspective of. Okay, it might take a little bit longer, but you know you still have one or two more years. You still have opportunities, um, and you know health is health is the of the utmost importance. Because if the individual is not healthy, it do- doesn't matter. They're not going to get any of those possible scholarships or offers or anything that they're they're um, looking for.
0: Right, and that's like one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with is you know, telling a 16 year old kid that this ATL tear is not the end of the world. And that is important for them when they're 50, that their knee works properly. And then that, you know, it's so hard because they're short sighted because all they want to do is play, play their sport and do what they're good at. You know, when that opportunity is taken away from them, it's tough, it's tough to uh, kind of keep them focused on the long-term vision, which is in reality, make sure they're healthy so they can, you know, play for a really long time and not just for the next, you know, year. Um. And so kind of talking, I know you talked that the athletic trainers kind of deal with acute injuries, uh, but, you know, as, as sports physical therapists, you know, acute injuries can be kind of a part of our role to, if there's no athletic trainer present. So how do you kind of prioritize your treatment? Let's say a person comes in with an ankle sprain and they have to play in a game, you know, in the next coming week, how do you kind of prioritize what you do for your interventions?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in that specific example, or in really any any example, when we're trying to kind of push the limit of returning an athlete to play, um, pain, swelling, kind of dysfunction are going to be what we're going to try to deal with first. Um, because, you know, in the example of this ankle sprain, right, if they're, I mean, the pain and the swelling is probably going to be the biggest limitation for them, um, you know, seven days after the injury. So, what can we do to manage that? Um, and then, you know, throw an ankle brace on tape the shit out of them and see what happens. But yeah, I think, uh, pain, pain, swelling, dysfunction early on, or like, you know, what we're trying to manage very quickly, especially if we're trying to return them to play quickly. Gotcha. And so, um,
0: now that you've been working at IMG for a couple of months, kind of, um, as, as a physical therapist, Kind of walk us through a day in a life, um, what it's like to be you
1: when you're a PT at IMG. Yeah, so at IMG, like I said, we have no sport specific responsibility as a physical therapist. So my day is, you know, fairly similar to someone who's treating like an outpatient orthopedic. Um, you know, I have a caseload and I have, you know, patients to treat. Our schedules are probably a little more flexible than like your traditional clinic. It operates more like an athletic training room where there are definitely our appointment times, but sometimes kids are running late. Um, you know, they're coming from school, they're coming from practice, they're whatever they had to meet with a coach. So there definitely, is a little more flexibility um, in the schedule with the kids showing up. Um, but that's kind of the gist of my day. Really, it's just it's patient care. Um, you know, communication with either. Physicians, the athletic training staff, if we need to, you know, communication with the sports performance staff as well. You know, sometimes, especially as we're integrating someone back into Lyft, you know, what can this person do? What can't this person do? Things like that. Um, But yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty cut and dry. We have a residence coming down in January. So because we're Johns Hopkins, Um, we're associated with the Johns Hopkins sports residency out of Baltimore. Um, so their residents come and spend some time with us at IMG. Um, so once they get here, you know, the day will be a little more variable. There'll be some mentorship, um, and kind of, um, kind of discussions about patients, things like that. Um, once those guys get down here.
0: Gotcha. Um, and so even though you've been there for a short time, do you have any favorite memories that stand out to you while working at IMG, you know, whether it be on the field or in the training room, anything that kind of sticks out to you and makes you like, think it's like, you
1: know, I really love this job. Um, I, I probably can't pick anything in particular, but, um, just seeing the successes of some of the rehabs. I mean, that's always so, um. Kind of affirming for what we're doing. Seeing someone get back to sports successfully, or um, seeing someone commit, you know, to a college. Um, we just had, I think, signing day or early signing day or something like that. I don't know. They just had a bunch of kids announce where they're going to college. So that's always fun to see, especially when you have rehab with someone and now they're, you know, they've they've accomplished one of their dreams of getting a scholarship, going to Division One, Division Two, and playing at the next level.
0: Right. And so last question before I get you out of here, Jack, um, do you have any advice for any aspiring sports PTs, any PTs at any level, whether they're an undergrad or they're currently still in PT school, um, you know, if they want to work at you know, the professional collegiate or even the outpatient level?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, just be open-minded and willing to learn and hungry to learn. Um, I think that's what drove me to do want to do a residency. Um, and I think it was probably the best decision that I've made so far in my career. Um, and kind of hand in hand with that is being open-minded and being willing to learn. Is trying to surround yourself or align yourself with people who can provide that learning that you need, um, or that mentorship, if you will. Um, and it's definitely challenging. Um, it's definitely challenging if you, you know, like yourself, you jump right into the outpatient PT world um, after grad school. And if there's no specific mentorship set up, it's really challenging to find uh, mentors. So, you know, in that situation, I just think professionally kind of interacting like you're doing right now um, is hugely beneficial because you can start to develop that network of mentors. Um, But like I said, that's why I chose to do a residency because it, it really, it laid the foundation for you know what I would consider as my network of people I can ask questions to and look up to in the field. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Oh, the only uh, other thing, the only other thing I would say is, as young like don't uh, for young clinicians, especially like right out of grad school or right out of um, residency, don't be discouraged if you don't get the job you want right away. Um, I think I had to deal with that definitely right after residency I worked in an outpatient clinic in Tampa like I said um, for about a year uh, and I was fairly unhappy um, it was I mean it was a job and I was getting good experience um, and I was treating a you know a pretty good population of athletes high school athletes in the community but it just wasn't what I really wanted to do um, and there were some discouraging moments um, but realizing kind of if you zoom out, On everything I was two years out of grad school um, and it was kind of unrealistic to expect that I would get a job that I really really wanted at that point even had having done the residency so I think just kind of biding my time and um, embracing the opportunity I was in and the experience I was having learning as much as I could um, and now I feel that I am in a position you know where I where I want to be and I'm happy to be and I'm treating the patients I want to Um, So really just it it takes time um, and definitely don't don't get discouraged. Gotcha.
0: I think that's great advice uh, because it's definitely easy to kind of let things get you down when you don't get your 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 way immediately. But kind of patience and buying your time is is super important. Um, With that being said, Jack, thank you for being a great guest and, you know, kind of giving a lot of great advice and sharing your experiences. Um, Is there any social media or anything like that that you'd like to plug?
1: uh yeah i have a twitter um i mean obviously i have all social media but i try to keep my instagram personal and private but i do have a professional twitter it's just my name at jack malafronte um feel free to check me out there i'm not i'm not very avid tweeter um but i like to retweet some articles here and there
0: gotcha i will definitely link that below um jack again thank you for your time And uh, this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Another huge thank you to Jack Malafrante of IMG Academy for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. If you liked what you heard today from our guest today, or want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.